0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Community Pastor Ted Canaris as we continue the series, U+. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays, streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. It seems like the more dependent we are on these, the fewer and fewer of us actually know how to get anywhere without them. How many of you will admit to having a complete dependency on GPS? I think most of us have an app that we rely on that gets us places. And many of us have our opinions, right? Strong opinions of which of these apps are the best. How many of you are are Google Maps fans? Go ahead and you could put it in the chat right now. Or or how many of you swear by Apple Maps, right? Or how about the few of you who believe that you're beating everyone else to the destination by using Waze? Well, (laughs) whatever app that you use, We no longer need to have any knowledge of where we are going or even a sense of direction. All we need to know is how to how to follow that little voice that tells us to take the next left turn. But what you may not know is that some professional drivers in one of the world's most tangled cities are not allowed to use this luxury. Taxi drivers in London are actually not allowed to use GPS at all. In fact, they're required to pass a series of tests known as the knowledge. And the knowledge is a test for them to prove that they can find 100,000 businesses and landmarks without the use of any electronic assistance. The tests, which take three to four years to complete, are one of the most difficult memorization tests in the world. In order to be fully licensed, a London taxi driver needs to know how to plot routes without a GPS on about 26,000 streets spanning a six mile radius from London's center point. When a driver completes these tests, they have essentially internalized all the information that they need to get around the city. And as a result, they know the way to go, almost instinctively. It's as if that map has become a part of them and navigating the crazy nonsensical web streets of London becomes second nature as amazing as a feat as memorizing the streets of London is, what if it were possible to have an even more comprehensive map, a map for all of life, not just for driving, that we could internalize in such a way that would help us navigate our day-to-day and even the most difficult and complicated and messy parts of our daily life? Well, I actually think that we do. The Bible, Scripture the Word of God. And today, we're going to talk about how the words on these pages can help us find our way back to God and help us find that U-plus life that Jesus came to give us. We are in week five of our U-plus series. And U-plus is an invitation to step into that life and life to the full that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. It's the life that Jesus came to bring. It's the life that Jesus taught us. It's the life that Jesus modeled for us. It's life lived in God's kingdom, and we enter into it by being Jesus' disciples, people who hear from God and do what he says. During this series, we're digging into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of the book of Matthew, and we're looking at this sermon because it's the best place to begin to learn what life in God's kingdom actually looks like. In some ways, the Sermon on the Mount is the beginner's guide to life in the kingdom of God. And today, today we're going to examine a section of the sermon where Jesus talks about the role of scripture in the lives of his disciples. It's a a short section of scripture that New Testament scholar Scott McKnight describes as the most significant passage in the entire Bible on how to read the Bible. Now, that sounds pretty important, doesn't it? So let's dive in. Before we read the text, let me just set a little bit of context for you. From the start of Jesus's ministry, he found himself at odds with the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They had accused Jesus of breaking the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament known as the law. They believed that they were the ones upholding the law, and Jesus was casting these scriptures aside. These religious leaders prided themselves on their superior righteousness, and Jesus wasn't playing by their rules. Believe it or not, they believed that Jesus was actually lowering the bar on faithfulness to God's commands. Some of these leaders were likely in attendance when Jesus gave his famous sermon, and they apparently spread his this critique of Jesus throughout the crowd. And so Jesus directly addresses their view in his sermon when he says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus makes it clear that he hasn't come to throw out the law, but to fulfill the law. In the Old Testament, the word for fulfill literally means to raise. And get this, it's the same verb used for resurrection. Scholar Frederick Bruner says, God raised Jesus to life and Jesus raises scripture to life. Jesus continues, he says, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus reinforces the importance of all of Scripture. And he says that life in the kingdom of God includes practicing, living out, and also teaching the word of God. And then comes the clincher. Jesus goes on to say this, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not lowering the bar. He's actually raising it he's calling his disciples to live out the scriptures in a different, greater way. And he says that his followers must have a greater righteousness than the Pharisees and the teacher of the law. That claim would have shocked his listeners. After all, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were considered the most, the most righteous people around. They were meticulous about memorizing and following every word of the law. And if that wasn't enough, They even added hundreds of their own additional laws that, so that they wouldn't risk getting close to breaking the actual law, just just to be safe. And yet Jesus, Jesus is saying that that isn't what God is after. He's after a greater righteousness. A greater righteousness is required. So how could that be? Is that even possible? Well, to understand what Jesus is getting at here, we have to understand this word, Righteousness. Righteousness is not a word we use very often, and it's one of those words that can be hard to really understand. In fact, for some of us, the word may even stir up negative feelings. We might think of people who seem self righteous, those who kind of look down their noses at other people. And it's not often something that we would hear someone say that they aspire to be righteous. And yet, righteousness is at the heart of what Jesus calls us to in his sermon. So what does this word righteousness mean? The word is primarily used to describe two things throughout the Bible. First, to be righteous means that you are in right relationship with God and with others. In his letter to the Romans, the apostle Paul tells us that we have been declared righteous by faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And as a result, we're at peace with God. In other words, through Jesus, we're given the status of righteousness as an undeserved and unearned gift. Jesus offers us a right relationship with God. However, the word also carries a broader range of meaning. Righteousness can also be used to describe behavior that conforms to God's will and is faithful to God's commands. When Jesus taught about righteousness to a group of Jewish men and women gathered on a hillside in Galilee, they would have understood that he was talking about this meaning, about what it looks like to live a righteous life. At the time, everyone thought that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were the most righteous people around. But as we just heard, Jesus calls his disciples to an even greater righteousness. The people who heard this were shocked. It just seemed flat out impossible. Remember, Jesus sees things from a different perspective. Jesus saw that while the religious leaders may have appeared perfect, they had made a serious mistake in their understanding of what it meant to be righteous. So what mistake did Jesus see the religious leaders making? Well, the mistake the Pharisees and the teachers of the law made was to focus on behavior alone. They took pride in doing all the right things, and they harshly judged anyone else who missed the mark. On the outside, their lives looked admirable, but Jesus saw something deeper. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law followed all the laws, but they missed the most important and fundamental thing that undergirds all of God's commands, love, Now, before we hogpile our disgust on these religious leaders, I think we have to start by taking an honest look in the mirror. Unfortunately, we all do this kind of thing. At one time or another, we've all technically done the right thing, but with the totally wrong heart. For example, as a student, you likely were assigned a paper at one time or another that had to be exactly 10 pages long. And you turned in a paper that filled all 10 pages, but to get it there required maybe a few tricks, right? To get the paper to 10 pages, did you ever change the font to a slightly larger size? Uh, Maybe slightly expand the margins or or change the spacing between the letters and or words? Do you ever do that? Me either. (laughs) Technically, right? You're right. It's 10 pages long, but it's totally wrong at the same time. Or think about it this way. Have you ever done a chore around the house, like say, take out the garbage at a family member's request, but you were mumbling words of frustration under your breath the whole time while you were doing it? Technically, you did what was right, but you did it with the completely wrong heart. We all do this, young and old alike. We all can fall into the trap of technically doing the right thing, but doing it with the wrong heart. To understand more about what Jesus is getting at here when he talks about a greater righteousness, it's helpful to look ahead to something else he'll say about the law and the prophets. Later in the book of Matthew, Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. When Jesus says that everything in the law and the prophets hangs on loving God and loving people, he's telling us that in his kingdom, the way to live out the scriptures, the way to be righteous is to love. This is the righteousness that Jesus modeled. This is the righteousness that Jesus embodied. It isn't about parroting off some right proposition. It's something that's deeply personal. It isn't just about memorizing the law, it's, it's relational. It's not merely about religious activity, it's, it's about love. Unlike the religious leaders at the time, Jesus isn't merely after external conformity to a list of commands. He's after the heart. Of course, he wants our actions to be transformed, but most importantly, Jesus wants a transformed heart. He wants a transformed heart that produces those transformed actions. The righteousness Jesus calls us to is a whole person way of being in the world that conforms to God's will. The righteousness that Jesus calls us to is a whole person way of being in the world that conforms to God's will, not just outward behavior, but inward transformation. Jesus wants to give you, just like he wants to give me, a new heart. He wants to transform us into a community of disciples who who radically love others. This is the righteousness that Jesus calls all of his followers to embody. As author Sky Jathani says, he doesn't merely desire people who appear good, even those who do good. He wants people who are good. So, that brings us back to the role of the Bible in the life of the disciple of Jesus. Next week, as we move forward in the sermon, Jesus is going to give us six examples from Scripture of what this greater righteousness looks like in everyday living. But for now, For now, we need to know that the scriptures are meant to be our guide for living out the kingdom way of love. The Apostle Paul names it in his second letter to Timothy. He says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and what does Paul say here? Training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scriptures are giving, given to us for training in righteousness, for training in this whole person way of being in the world that conforms to God's will. When we engage with scripture, the, the Holy Spirit is actively involved in using the words on the page to transform, to, to equip and to empower us for kingdom living. Remember, The Bible is not just a a list of rules to follow. That's how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were using it. No, Scripture has been given to us so that as we read it, as we study it, and as we memorize it, the Holy Spirit uses the God-breathed words on these pages to transform us and help us navigate life as we follow Jesus in the kingdom way of love. Just like the London cabbies internalize the map of London in order to navigate the complex twists and turns of the city, we internalize scripture in order to navigate the complex twists and turns of life. And as we internalize these words, we will become captivated by and, and compelled by the vision Jesus has for our lives the vision to be people who radically love others and and bring more of the kingdom of God to earth. God wants to use the words on the pages of scripture to train us in true righteousness, a whole person way of being in the world that conforms to God's will. During this U Plus series, we're challenging one another to, to choose this way of discipleship, to choose to follow Jesus. And our goal is To come alongside you as you take next steps. We want to walk with you as you hear from God and and help you discern how he's speaking to you so that you can do what he says. After all, following Jesus was never meant to be just a personal thing, something you do alone. Following Jesus is meant to be a communal thing, something we do together. That's why during every week of this series, we're challenging every person who calls community their church home to go to uplus.info and set up a UPlus conversation. When you sign up, the first thing that you'll do is some brief pre-work, somewhere about 30 minutes, that will help you reflect and listen for God. Then second you'll have the opportunity to schedule a conversation with a facilitator. That could be your small group leader. It could be another person here at Community or really anyone who loves Jesus and has read through the facilitator notes and the conversation guide, which are also at uplus.info. And the facilitator can really be anyone, but it just needs to be someone who is ready to come alongside you and listen well as you walk through the conversation guide together and discern your next steps. And third... The last part of a U-plus discipleship conversation is to write down your next steps, which will become essentially your U-plus discipleship plan for the next year. And perhaps God has a next step for you to take in engaging with Scripture. Let's just take a moment here and think about what some of those potential next steps could be. It could be that you need to subscribe to the community daily. It's a great place to start. The Community Daily is an email delivered right to your inbox Monday through Friday that reinforces what we learn together here on Sundays. Each day, there's typically a passage of Scripture to read, a reflection, and a suggested way to respond to the text. Right now in the Community Daily, we're digging more deeply into the Sermon on the Mount. Or perhaps you could learn more about how to read the Bible and deepen your understanding of Scripture by watching videos from The Bible Project. If you go to their website, you will find incredible and accessible resources. I love The Bible Project. I often watch and look at their videos as overviews before reading a particular book of the Bible. They help me see the big picture of the text and guide me into understanding it better. It's an incredible resource. I really encourage you to check it out. One other possible step I'll mention is that our adult ministry team recently developed a new resource called GROW. GROW is a simple one-year New Testament Bible reading plan designed to encourage you to dive into Scripture. Each day, you read a chapter and then discuss it with a friend or two or in a small group. GROW is a simple yet exciting way to read the Bible with others in order to learn and understand more about who God is and how to apply Scripture to your daily life. You can find the resource at communitychristian.info. Now, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd, so I love digging into commentaries when I engage with scripture and reading more about background and history and context. But I also love spending time slowing down and prayerfully reading and reflecting on just a short passage of scripture. In addition to the community daily, I've recently been using an app called Lectio 365, Lectio 365 provides a powerful guided time of prayer, about 10 minutes long, based on a short passage of scripture. And by the way, they also have a great partner app called Lectio for Families, which is something I use often with my own kids to help them learn how to read scripture and how to grow in righteousness as well. I highly recommend it for those of you who are parents of kids anywhere around kindergarten to fifth or sixth grade, depending on the kid. I don't know what your next step is, But we believe that as we go through this series, God wants to speak to you. And it may be that he has a next step for you to take in engaging more deeply or more frequently with scripture. We simply wanna help you hear from him about what your unique steps are and encourage you to do what he says. So every week of this series, we are challenging you to sign up for a U Plus conversation so that we can come alongside you and encourage you as you take your next step as a disciple of Jesus. You can learn more at uplus.info, or you can just scan the QR code on the screen. Friends, church, we all long for guidance on how to navigate this crazy and challenging world that we live in. That's the kind of guidance God has given us through his word. When we engage with scripture every day, we begin to see the world through the lens of God's kingdom. God uses the words on these pages to, to transform us from the inside out. And in time, like those London taxi drivers, we'll be able to internalize what we've taken in. God's word becomes a part of us and we can draw on what we have learned to help us live as his kingdom people. A truly righteous people who are growing in our love for God God and for others. We believe the U plus life, the life that is life to the full, is found in the kingdom way. So let's treasure the gift that God has given us in his word. And let's take next steps to more deeply engage with it. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word PRAYER to 331-226-1686 and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.